You are listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church in Louise, Texas. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 35 through the rest of chapter 1. That's 51 today. Now, I love to see the excitement on a kid's face when they discover something new or they receive something that's surprisingly unexpected. They get so excited about, about it that they want to show and tell everyone about this new thing that they have. Just this week, Eden went to the dentist, and as she was leaving, they gave her a balloon filled with helium. Corey and her went while I was at, at the office at work, and I came home for a minute, and Eden looked at me, and she said, Daddy, look at my balloon, but I was busy. I was distracted. I was talking to Corey, so I brushed her off for a minute. But she insistently and kept saying, Daddy, look at my balloon, look at my balloon, look at my balloon. And she kept saying it until I acknowledged her and said, ah, I see your balloon, babe. Later that same day, the balloon was hanging on her closet door in her bedroom. And I came home and she grabbed my hand and she said, Daddy, come and look at my balloon. That balloon was her prized possession. And she wanted to make sure that I saw that balloon. She wanted me to enjoy her balloon as much as she enjoyed her balloon. Whether or not I cared about the balloon was of no consequence to her. She wanted to show it to me. She wanted me to experience the joy of that balloon. And this is true for all of us. While we tr- when we truly love something, when we truly love someone, we are, we are truly in awe or amazed by something, we want to tell the world. Some new parents get insufferable about this. I know Corey and I were. When we had kids, at any chance I got, I showed people the 3,000 plus pictures that I had of my baby on my cell phone. If they sought my attention in any way, they were going to hear about my new baby. The store clerk at Walmart, waiters and waitresses at restaurants, customers of mine, friends, family, no one was safe from seeing pictures of my babies. Grandparents also gush after their, over their grandbabies. People get excited about their new car, their new gun, their new phones, or whatever. You get a new dog, a new cap cat, a bunny, or a new hip, and everyone gets to hear about it. A love-struck man won't stop talking about his new girlfriend to his friends and family. Fiancés don't stop showing off their engagement rings. And this isn't a bad thing, but eventually the awe and the wonder and the newness wears off, and then we don't get as excited about it as we were. But what if there was something, or better yet, someone who never lost their luster? Someone who loved us unconditionally. Someone who saw our faults and our failures and loved us anyway. That each hour, day, and moment with this person was greater than the last. We would never want to be out of their presence and we, would, and we wanted everyone to know that this was the love of our life. And if you're a Christian, you have that with Jesus. Jesus is the best thing to ever happen to you. And because of how good and how loving he is, he should consume your entire life. You should want to share Jesus with someone, with anyone, just like you share pictures of babies and grandbabies. You should be like Eden, grabbing someone's hand and saying, come and see this Jesus who loves you. And in today's text, that's exactly what we are going to see. We're going to read about Jesus' first disciples, how they came to Follow, love, and trust Jesus. Let's read how this all begins. John chapter 1, verses 35 and 36. 
The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. You may be thinking that we read this last week, and you would be almost right. In John one twenty nine, we see that the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and say, Look, or behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And up until this point in John's Gospel, John the Baptist has played a pivotal role in proclaiming Jesus as a long-awaited Messiah. He is out preaching about the Savior of the world and telling anyone who will listen about the fulfillment of Scripture and this, the Son of God. His message never changes. He never uses his influence to pull attention to himself. He never chooses or never uses his followers to puff himself up. He never uses his platform to promote himself. He is always pointing to something greater, someone greater. He is always pointing to Jesus. His message never changes. He never tried to make Jesus more appealing. He never had to try to convince people about Jesus. He never had to soften the need for a Savior. He didn't plead and beg people to follow Jesus. Rather, he called people to follow Jesus. He lived out his mission. He spoke from his conviction. And people either listened to him or avoided him. He stood uncompromisingly on the truth. You see, there's no room for compromise for John. He knew his calling. He knew his mission. He knew the truth, and he wanted other people to know it too. He was loud, proud, and bold about the message of Jesus. And there are many people out here who want to make the message of Jesus more palatable. They want to suffer, or they want to soften what the Bible teaches. They want there to be mass appeal. They don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want to offend sensibilities. They don't, want to pre- they don't want to preach and point to the truth. They want to change the message. Others simply want to alter the message of Jesus. They want to scare people into heaven, preaching only hellfire and brimstone. Or they only preach salvation and not obedience to Jesus and submission to Jesus. They want to teach that as a follower of Jesus, all pain and suffering will cease. They want to claim that if you follow Jesus, he will give you everything that you want. He will give you health and wealth and prosperity. Now I want to put it as simply as I can. The message of Jesus, the gospel message, is that we are broken and separated from God. So God came down to restore us into right relationship with himself. And through Jesus' obedience, his death, and his resurrection, we can have reconciliation. We can be brought back into a right relationship with God. Now, this doesn't fix all the brokenness around us. This doesn't change our financial status. This doesn't change the reality of death, evil, or pain. This doesn't just get us out of hell free. This is a call to look at Jesus and to follow Jesus. And not just that, but to tell others about him. This means, as his followers, we are not to obstruct or distract from the meaning of the message. Those who herald and proclaim the message aren't supposed to try to usurp the person and work of Jesus Christ to make much of myself. Rather, we are to be claiming and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Don't look at me. Look to Jesus. When you come to worship here or in any church, it's important that you know the pastor or the preacher should be trying to point you to Jesus. They shouldn't ask you to submit to their authority over the authority of Jesus. They are to be humble servants that are pointing and paving the way to Jesus. 
This is something that you need to be on the watch for when you are listening to pastors and preachers, when you are looking for a new church, when you are letting people teach you the Word of God. They must always be pointing to Jesus. That being said, I want to assure you that my commitment to you is that I make sure that I preach and teach and help disciple each one of you. And as I'm doing that, that I am pointing you to Jesus. And if you ever, like I have, abandoned that commitment, I pray that you would approach and correct me. I am not here to build my own kingdom, but I am here to help build his kingdom through the power of his Holy Spirit. I strive to be like John the Baptist. You should strive to be like John the Baptist going around and telling people, look, behold, the Lamb of God. He is greater than I, and He is all you could ever want. And I pray that as that is proclaimed, you respond like some of John's disciples. Verse 37 through 39. The two disciples heard Him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following Him, He asked them, What are you looking for? And they said to Him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about the f- about four in the afternoon. What are you looking for? Here's how much of a big deal John made of Jesus. Two of his own disciples abandoned him and started following Jesus. And John had no qualms about pointing them to something greater than himself. These men had chosen to learn from John. They had sat at his feet. They had watched him baptize people. They observed him call others to repentance. They were learning and growing and being shaped to take on John's teaching and John's message. So no doubt when they were listening to John proclaiming about Jesus, there was this one special day where they heard John say, As Jesus was passing by, behold, the Lamb of God. And their response was to follow Jesus. Now in their culture and time, if someone wanted to be a disciple, they would attach themselves to a rabbi. The teacher didn't go out looking for pupils. Students weren't assigned to a specific teacher. You would hear their teaching, and if it aligned with you and what you wanted to learn, then you would go and follow them. That's one of the amazing things about this story. They hadn't heard Jesus teach. They hadn't heard Jesus preach. They didn't have anything to go on other than John's word and John's witness. And that was enough for them. Now one of the only things we have that's similar to that is that when somebody's going into further educational studies, like they're going to get their doctorate degree, And usually when they're going into that level of education, they want to look for and search for and try to find someone who is an expert in that field. Usually they search and scour the internet. They ask their friends. They go on message boards. They scour YouTube to find someone who is an expert in what they want to study. And then they apply to that school and they ask that expert if they will be taken on as their student. I I have, on occasion, heard of people traveling and moving across the country to go and be involved in a specific pastor's ministry, but it's very rare. It's extremely rare. Yet these men heard John talk about Jesus. They saw Jesus, and then they followed Jesus. And why did they do that? Because John paved the way to Jesus. 
John was a voice crying out in the desert, Behold the Lamb of God. And John wasn't afraid or frustrated that they left to follow Jesus. He didn't beg them to stay. He wasn't afraid of losing disciples. He was willing to let God take those that he had trained so that they could follow Jesus. Because Jesus is better. So they left and they followed Jesus. I just, every time I think about this, I, 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 in my mind I think about these Jesus walking past these guys and these two disciples just like lost in hungry puppy dogs. They start following this guy. Start following him around. And then at one point Jesus turns around and he asks them, what are you looking for? What are you seeking after? What do you desire? Now what would you say in that situation? I'm sure that I would fumble around and bumble my words. I, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure what I'm, I'm looking for. Now this is a question that however they answer, this question is going to change their lives forever. And we have to ask ourselves that same question. But more than asking ourselves that question, Jesus is asking us the same question right now. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you desire? Because truth be told, we are all seeking after something. We all desire for something. We are all looking for something. This is a truly human question. Are you seeking happiness? Do you desire riches? Are you looking to belong? What do you want? Acceptance? Love, joy, peace, answers. Here's the thing, we can seek, we can chase, and we can desire and look at the things of this world. We can chase after happiness. We can seek after fulfillment in relationships. We can desire a better life. We can desire to be a better husband, wife, father, mother, or community member. And I can tell you that all of those things are good desires. But they're not the best desire. If you follow after Jesus, he is what we should desire. If you walk after Jesus, what happens is Jesus fulfills those desires. They become a reality. Because as we follow him, we become more and more like him. We become more loving. We become more compassionate, more sympathetic. We become wiser, more patient. Following Jesus is like playing follow the leader. If we do the things that he is doing, if we love the way that he loves, if we live the way that he has designed us to live, all of our desires will change to what he desires. And if we seek after what he desires, then he will meet those desires. I want you to imagine that Jesus is looking you in the eye right now. And he's asking you this question. What are you looking for? How would you answer that? Because there is only one truly right answer. The only right answer is you. Jesus, I desire you. Jesus, I am seeking you. Jesus, I am looking for you. Just like Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. All we truly hope and desire that, that will satisfy our deepest longings and desires can be given to us by Jesus. In fact, we will only find these in Jesus alone. 
So how do the disciples answer? I always thought that their answer was a little bit weird. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? This could better be translated as, where do you abide? Now the Gospel of John talks a lot about abiding. That if we abide in him, then he will abide in us, and that he abides in the Father. But he say, they're asking, where are you staying? Where are you taking up residence? But notice that Jesus doesn't answer their question the way that we would expect. He doesn't say, I'm staying with so-and-so. What does he say in verse 39? Come, and you'll see. They were asking him where he was sleeping, where his home is. He was answering not in a physical way, but in a spiritual way. Come and see all that my Father will do through me. Come and see that I am the fulfillment of the promise. Come and see that I am all that you have longed for, prayed for, and waited for. Come and see. Come and you'll see that I am all that your heart truly desires. And that's Jesus' invitation to you today. Come and see that he is good. Come and see that Jesus will fulfill your every desire. Come and see that he loves you. Come and see. And when you follow Jesus, when you come and see, you'll be like Eden with her balloon. You'll want to tell others. You'll want others to come and see too. That's what these guys did. And Jesus welcomed the newcomers too. Do you see this pattern? We need to point to people to Jesus like John. Tell people about Jesus like his two disciples. And God uses us to help people come and see who he is. This pattern continues in verses 40 and 42. It says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. I have found him. I have found him, Andrew tells him. Andrew was one of John's disciples who left John to follow Jesus. And the first thing he did after spending some time with Jesus was go and tell his brother about Jesus. He was so excited that he had found the Messiah. He was so excited that he had to tell someone. He had to tell someone. I want you to know that one of the most effective ways of telling others about Jesus is through your own personal testimony. Telling others what Jesus has done for you. That's what Andrew did. Telling others who Jesus is, that's what Andrew did. He didn't invite him to learn about him at church. He didn't hope that someone else would tell his brother about Jesus. He personally went to his brother and said, We have found the Messiah. We have found the one we have been looking for. We have found the one who changes our hearts. He changes our desires. We have found the one that teaches and lives the truth. We have found him. And I want you to find him too. I want you to know him too. I want you to come and see him too. Now there are people in your life right now that need to know Jesus. They are out here living in hopelessness. They are out here lost. They are out here seeking after things of this world only to end up dissatisfied. They are empty, broken, and longing for something better. And the good news is you have that something better. You have the one who brings hope. You have the one who brings peace. You have the one that satisfies. And you are either telling others about him or you are being selfish with him. And you can tell someone as close as a family member. 
or as far away as a stranger. We all have people that need to know Jesus. So let's take them to Jesus. You can bring them to church and and they certainly will hear the gospel message. I'll make sure to tell them about Jesus from the pulpit. But you have more influence by telling them your story. Most of the time, people who need Jesus won't even come to the church. They're not going to show up on their own. Without any divine intervention, they're not just going to walk right through those doors. So when you leave this church, you are now the door to the church. You are now the door, the gateway to Jesus. You are now the light of the world. You are now the herald of the gospel. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Don't minimize that. It's not just my job as a pastor to preach the gospel. It is a calling of every follower of Jesus. And you don't have to have degrees. You don't have to have any special training. You don't have to have all the right answers. You can just tell them about your love for Jesus. You can invite them to come and see. So Andrew goes and and tells his brother Simon about this Jesus, the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus saw Simon, meaning that he was looking intently at Simon. He could see that there was something inside of Simon that is rough, but that will help to spread the gospel. Then Jesus gives Simon a name change. He gives him a nickname, Cephas or Peter. They, they mean rock. It's like Jesus is calling him Rocky now. This is Rocky. Many times in the Old Testament, God changes people's names to signify an important role in the story. A couple of examples, Abram becomes Abraham and Jacob becomes Israel. Now Peter is going to be the rock for the church, a rock for the disciples, a rock to spread the gospel. And much of this happens because Peter's brother brings him to Jesus. You see, you never know who you're telling about Jesus. You never know who they may become. You never know what kind of impact they may have with God's power. Think about it real quick. All of the most impactful Christians in the world had to hear the gospel from someone. How are they to believe if you don't tell them? Now in this final section of our scripture for today, two more are going to come and follow Jesus. One because Jesus called him, and the other because he was brought to Jesus. Let's read John 1, 43-51. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus finds Philip and he tells him, Follow me. 
Jesus reached out to Philip. Jesus called Philip to follow him. Though we are God's primary evangelistic strategy, there are times when he draws people to himself in miraculous ways. And just because there are times that he does that, that does not mean that you can shirk your responsibility to tell people about Jesus. Because as we see, Philip repeats the pattern. Philip knows Andrew and Peter, and he's about to go talk to his friend Nathaniel. But Andrew and Peter are from the same town as Philip. So now these hometown homies are following Jesus together. And we're not told this in the text, but I like to imagine Philip ask Andrew and Peter how they started and why they started to follow Jesus. And Andrew's response is something like this. Well, you know Crazy John down by the river? The camel hair coat and the locust and the honey? honey, That John? Yeah, he told me that Jesus was the Lamb of God. So I started to follow him. And then I told Simon that Jesus is the Messiah. And he came. Then Jesus gave him a new name. Oh, by the way, he's called Rocky now. And now we need to tell everyone that the Lamb of God, the Messiah, has come. So Philip sees this pattern of each one reaching one, and he decides it's his turn. So he goes and he tells Nathaniel. And what does Nathaniel, how does Nathaniel respond? He says, we have found, Philip says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and so in the prophets, Jesus, the son of Nazareth. You know, the one that we've been hearing about our entire lives? The one that we've sat in synagogues and heard about other rabbis teach? The one that Moses wrote about in the Torah? That's found in Deuteronomy 18, by the way. He's Jesus, and he's from Nazareth, the Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth, Joseph's son. Now, Nazareth was a small town of no more than 2,000 people, and nothing significant had come out of Nazareth. No prophecies were supposed to be fulfilled out of Nazareth. So Nathaniel's response to him is like saying, Are you sure this is who he is? Because the Messiah was prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. So he is from Nazareth, and that's how people would know him. Just to add some clarification, think about it this way. I was born in Arkansas. I lived there till I was about 13 years old. But when people ask me where I'm from, I always say that I'm from Texas. Why? Because I spent more time in Texas than I did in Arkansas. I am from Texas, even though I was born in Arkansas. That's the same kind of thing that's happening here. The prophecy of the Savior being born in Bethlehem is true at the same time that Jesus is from Nazareth. So why is Nathaniel so confused about this? Because again, it doesn't seem to fulfill the scriptures. How can he be that guy? And besides that, the town that Nathaniel lived in and Nazareth, they were kind of rivals. They didn't like each other. So Nathaniel's really just like, I don't think this is true. There's this one Christian hip-hop artist that I like to listen to, and in one of his songs, he quotes this, this uh, section from Nathaniel. says, Does anything good come out of Nazareth? The only thing good came out of Nazareth. As Nathaniel's sitting there thinking that nothing good can come out of Nazareth, the only thing good came out of Nazareth. So if your friends ask you, Is Jesus as good as you say he is? You can respond like Philip. Come and see. Don't believe me? Come and see. And as Philip is bringing Nathanael to Jesus, Jesus sees him and says something that can be difficult for us to understand. He says, Here is truly, 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What does that mean? This is another callback in the Gospel of John to the Old Testament. Remember earlier we were talking about name changes and Israel is the new name of Jacob. And Jacob was one full of deception in Genesis. He deceived and tricked his brother and his father. He used deceptions and lies to get what he wanted. But here Nathaniel isn't hiding behind deception. He doesn't believe that anything good can come from Jesus' hometown, and he isn't afraid to say so. But at least at the behest of his friend, he comes to see Jesus. He is willing to seek out the truth even when it goes against his own prejudiceness. He is a true Israelite in that he doesn't hide from the truth. He doesn't hide from the light, but he is seeking the light. And Jesus blesses him because of it. Jesus reveals to Nathanael his supernatural insight. I saw you sitting under the fig tree. That he tells Nathanael that where he was before he came to see Jesus. And then Nathanael responds and he believes. And how does he respond? He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And upon this confession, Jesus commends him. And then he says something that seems kind of strange. Again, another thing that kind of seems strange to our Western ears. And if you're anything like me, you, that you've read John 151 before, and you're like, what does all this mean? Let's read it again, and hopefully I will be able to help us understand it. Once we see it for what it is, it's not as complicated as it seems. John 151 says this, Then he said, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So what Jesus and John, the author of the Gospel, is recalling here happens, you guessed it, in the Old Testament. Specifically in Genesis and the story of Jacob. So interestingly enough, Jesus gives us a glimpse of Jacob when he talks about an Israelite with no deceit. And now he recalls Jacob, no deceit. And now he recalls Jacob, the Jacob story once again, with this statement. It's almost as if it's important for us to know what's going on in the Old Testament. Like the Old Testament is as much scripture as the new one is. So in Genesis chapter 28, God gives Jacob a vision or a dream, depending on what your translation says. But God reveals something special about the land that Jacob is on. Let's look at it together. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place and put it there at his head, and he lay down in that place, and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching to the sky, and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north, and the south, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring, back, bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until you have done, till I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob names this place where all this happens, Bethel, which means house of the Lord or house of God. A place where 
heaven meets earth, where God comes to be with his people, a place where God's blessings flow for his people. So what's the big deal? That's a cool vision that Jacob received, but Jesus is now saying that he is the new Bethel. He is the house of the Lord. He is the one that brings blessing. He is the one that brings life. What Jacob witnessed was simply a taste of the reality to come. Jesus is the gate of heaven. Bethel is no longer a place. Bethel is a person. God dwelling with his people. God teaching his people. God training his people. Training them how to live. Training them how to love. How to follow after him. And how to have a life and life abundantly. Jacob's vision Jacob's dream has now become a reality. It had become a reality in Jesus, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the greater prophet, the Son of Joseph, the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus came to show us that he is all of those things, that he is the fulfillment of God's promise. And if you haven't given your life over to Jesus, what are you looking for? What do you desire? I want to tell you that Jesus is more than enough. Jesus will satisfy your heart. He will cleanse your soul. He will make you new. But you need to turn toward him. You need to repent of your sin. Turn from your brokenness. Turn from your rebellion and follow after him. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be like these disciples. You should invite people to come and see to love and cherish, to seek and find Jesus. That is our calling. That should be our desire, that we are the light of Jesus in the darkness, that we bring hope of Jesus to the hopeless. Our lives should be, and the motto of our life should be, come and see Jesus. Our lives submitted to him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to stand before these people and preach the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would impress on our hearts and, and change our desires and shift our desires that we want to proclaim. Simply come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see the one who changes us. Come and see the one who transforms us. Come and see the one who makes us new. We're so grateful for the fact that we have an opportunity to know you. We have an opportunity to love you. We have an opportunity to follow you. Lord, help us to imitate you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more information about our church and ministries, visit fbclouise.com.